0: Hey guys, Pastor David here. Uh, Welcome to Victory Church. We're excited that you have uh, found us, that you're joining us today. We're a community of authentic, spirit-led Christ followers transformed to walk in victory. That is our vision here at Victory Church, and that is what we're praying will become a reality for us as a church here at Victory. So I'm glad that you guys found us. I'm glad that you're joining us today, and we're excited about kicking off this sermon here in just a moment. No longer slaves to fear. Isn't that an amazing truth that we have as followers of Christ? We're no longer slaves to the bondage, the the fear, the sin in our lives. I love that. Um, so a couple a couple years ago, there was a story that circulated around about a guy that was incarcerated. So he was he was in prison for um, selling drugs. He had been in prison for some time, and he had six years left on his sentence. Um, and then he found out, he, along with a lot of other people, he found out about this plan that the, the President of the United States at the time was about to roll out. And it was this plan that was going to give um, several prisoners that were drug offenders that had long sentences the um, option of actually being able to um, cut down tons of their sentence time. And so he ended up you know, putting in for this, along with tons of other prisoners, there were like over 29,000 prisoners that put in for this, drug offenders with long sentences. Including this guy in this story, he writes the president. He lists out all these reasons. And say, this is why you know I think I would you know deserve this. This is why I should I should get this. And, and lo and behold, he's actually one of the few people that actually ends up getting to participate in this in this plan. There are over twenty nine thousand people that put in for this, and there are only like I think a few hundred that ended up getting picked. And this guy was was one of them. And uh, his prison sentence, he had six years remaining, and he was going to get him cut down to two years. From six years to, to two years—that's That's two thirds of his prison time that just be like washed away, and the only thing that he had to do, the only like strings attached, I guess you could say, was that he had to go to a drug treatment program. That was it. Two years left, drug treatment program. That's it. And you would think, man, this is a no-brainer. Like obviously, I mean, it, the obvious thing to do is to accept this deal, right? I mean, this is awesome. Going from six years to two years and a drug treatment program. And this would be awesome. This is like a win-win for this guy because then he could get serious help for the same thing that actually ended up landing him in prison the first time, right? So that way when he actually gets out of prison, maybe he'll have some tools in his bag to be able to you know, kind of fight off that, that temptation to go back to the same things he did before. So this is a win-win for this dude. Two years, drug treatment program. But here's the thing. This is where this story gets nuts. This dude refused. He, refu- he refused this, uh, this, this mercy that was going to be shown to him by the president. And the only reason... That this guy refused this program is because he didn't want to go to the drug treatment program. That was it. That was was the reason he refused this program. This dude refused a path that had been laid out before him. I mean, for nothing that he had done, nothing that he had earned or deserved, just mercy that was being shown by the President of the United States for him. And this path was going to lead to his freedom much sooner. But he refused it for no other reason other than the fact that he wanted to do things his way. Not anybody else's way. He wanted to do um, what he thought was best. What, what he thought would be best for his life, regardless of the repercussions and regardless of anybody else's wisdom. He wanted to do things his way. And guys, in the, in the same way, as crazy as that story is, we're, we're faced with a choice in our life. We've got two paths that we go. We go we, we're faced with this choice. We can choose to do things in our life and make choices based on our wants, our desires, or we can choose to do things God's way. We can choose to do things our way, or we can choose to do things God's way. And when we choose to do things God's way, it does require something from us. It requires first our trust in God, but then it also requires our submission. But here's the thing, when we truly trust God, and then when we submit to him, that leads to our freedom. And it not only leads to our freedom and salvation, it leads to our freedom behind every single choice, every single decision that we make in life. And the text that we're going to be in today, Paul's going to highlight a few things for us, but the main truths that he's going to show us is that God's way is always best. That's our big idea today. God's way is is always best. You know, sometimes in life it it gets hard and you can kind of feel the pressures just kind of creeping in around you and and it can feel like God has abandoned you. You feel like God has left you, like he doesn't love you. But guys, we know that's not true. me on that, that is not true. Romans 8 tells us there's nothing that could ever separate you from the love of God. He loves you. And no matter what happens in your life, he is with you every step of the way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for the truth of the gospel, for our identity that we've been We've been given by you in Christ. The fact that we are no longer slaves to our sin, we're no longer slaves to the law, we thank you for this plan of redemption that you ushered in that has nothing to do with what we have done, but what you have done in our place, Jesus. We thank you so much for that. And God, I pray that you help us to continue just going down this path of freedom that you've laid out in front of us. Help us to know, understand who we are, and help us to to continually make those decisions to just choose your way in our life, God. We need your help with this. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just take over this sermon, illuminate these truths to us, penetrate our hearts and our minds with these things, and break chains in our lives, God. Break chains in my life. We thank you, we praise you, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So as we, if you're just now joining us, we've been in the book of Galatians for a few weeks, got a few weeks uh, longer. But as we've been in this book, the past couple of weeks, um, we two weeks ago talked about the results of our salvation. That's one of the things that Paul kind of highlighted in that text is the results of our salvation. And last week, uh, I mentioned that's also kind of like identity markers for us as Christians, as followers of Christ, like our our identity in Christ. And, And we talked about last week how we have to fight And on a consistent basis, we have to fight to remember our true identity In Christ, and the fact that we naturally have this pull, this draw back to our old sinful behavior, sinful patterns that we knew before Christ, because we had this sin addiction. So it's a natural process. We're naturally drawn back in that direction of sin and that bondage, that slavery, but then not only the the, the sin, the bondage, the slavery, but then also, you know, trying to, a workspace salvation, trying to earn God's favor, His acceptance, and the salvation that we've already been given in and through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so uh, because of that, we need something in our life, a wall that will block us from going down that path of sin and slavery, but then also will bounce us back in the direction of Christ. And that's, uh, I like to call them spiritual guardrails, these spiritual guardrails. And there's a lot of different things that we could use in our life as spiritual guardrails. But last week, Paul kind of highlighted, we saw through that text, one of the most effective spiritual guardrails that that will help to bounce us back in the direction of Jesus Christ. And that's the spiritual guardrail of Christian community. Spiritual guardrail of Christian community. We, we have a natural, God-given longing and need for the fellowship and the community of other followers of Christ in our life. And that's kind of where we left off that last week. And this week, through the text, Paul's going to reference a story. And it's a story that most of us are probably pretty familiar with. But he's going to use this story as kind of an, an, an illustration. And through this, this illustration and this story, he's going he's to highlight... Um, uh, 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 an incredible, profound, profound truth for us. But we're also going to be left with this choice. We can choose to do things our way in our life, or we can choose to do things God's way. So that's what we're going to see in this text. Let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, right now, again, we've been going through the book of Galatians. So we are at Galatians chapter 4, uh, verses 21. We're going to go from 21 to 27 right now, and we'll keep on going, skipping down as we. Go on today. This says, tell me, this is Paul, tell me, you who want to be under the law, don't you hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. But the one by the slave was born as a result of the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born through promise. These things are being taken figuratively, for the woman represents two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai and bears children into slavery. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar represents Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, childless woman, unable to give birth. Burst into song and shout, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate woman will be many, more numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. So, so in this text, Paul, Paul's using again this story and it's a literal historical story, but again, he's using an illustration. And we see in this story, there's two different women. There's um, two different women that had a baby, both of them, with the same man, with Abraham, who was the father of the nation of Israel, right? So you remember that song, Father Abraham and many sons? I'm not going to sing that for you, but that's, you get the idea. That's the Abraham we're talking about. So two women, but these two women also represent two different paths. You've got Hagar, who is a slave woman. She actually represents the path to slavery. Then you've got the free woman that's mentioned in this text with his, Abraham's wife, Sarah. That represents um, the path to, to freedom. Okay, And, and before, before Abraham had these sons with these two women, he was first called by God and then he was promised several things by God Right when he was originally called. Several times he was promised things, but when he was originally called, he was promised by God that God would be with him, that God would be his God. He said, I will be your God. I will bless you And um, you will be a blessing, um, through you will be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth, all the nations of the earth. And because of those promises, it kind of points us to a couple different things. Especially the last one, the fact that you will be a blessing to all the people, all the people of the earth, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him, is what God said. And it points us, first off it points us back to Genesis chapter Three and so much points back to Genesis chapter three. Go back and read that that um, chapter if you haven't read it in a while, because that's when first sin, uh, sin first entered the world. Genesis chapter three, and we all know that story. That story, of the of the apple. Adam and Eve, they take a bite of that apple. Every time you hear about that story, or you go back and read it, you want to like jump in a time machine and like go back and smack that apple out of his hands, right? But I mean, he took a bite of the apple. As soon as that happens, sin enters the world. And it's not because of the apple. There's no power in the apple itself. It was in, in what they were doing. It was in the act of taking a bite of it. Because in doing that and taking a bite, catch this. They were doing things their way rather than God's way. Right? They were doing things their way rather than God's. God's way. So they were intentionally choosing to go against God's plan for their life. And when that happened, again, sin enters the world. And then right after that, sin enters the world, we see what's called the Protoevangelium. This is fancy long word that's just, it's the first glimpse of the gospel that we see in Scripture. God's plan of redemption. So who in here understands that God is never taken off guard? Right? God has never taken on. There is nothing that you have ever done. We've all made dumb mistakes in our life, but guess what? You never surprised God. He knew what you were going to do before you did it, right? He loves you so much that He'll allow you to do those things, but I mean, it doesn't mean it's a good plan, but He knows exactly what's going to happen before it ever happens. In the same way, God knew exactly what was going to happen before it happened. He had already had this plan of redemption in motion, which is incredible to think about before He ever even created us. He had this plan of redemption in motion. And he tells them in that scene, Genesis chapter 3, sin enters the world right after that he's going to send this offspring. That's one day going to come. He's going to crush the serpent's head, which is Satan, and thereby defeat Satan, right? And so that's, that's something that we see in those promises that God makes to Abraham. But we also, it points to something else. Those promises God made to Abraham also points to the cross, where that offspring that was promised all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 is hanging on the cross. God in flesh, in our place, on our cross, bearing our sins and our shame, our guilt for us to pave the way to our freedom and our salvation. And so it points to these two different places. And the reason that this is important for us to kind of connect the dots on is because when God was promising these things to Abraham, especially when he was promising that all the people, all the nations of the world would be blessed through you, what he was saying is, look, the promise that I made to this offspring that's gonna one day come, which we know is Jesus, Abraham Jesus hadn't come yet. Abraham didn't know this. But that promise is gonna pass through your family line, through your lineage, Abraham. That promise is gonna pass through. I mean, that's a crazy promise, right? If God told you that, like, hey, the Savior of the world, like Christ, the Christ is gonna pass through your family line. That's that's pretty dang awesome, right? So there's a lot of incredible promises that God made, including that one. But, but here's, the, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Abraham and Sarah, they, 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 well, let me back up and say this first. When Abraham was first called, he was 75 years old. He was 75 years old. And what happened was Abraham started viewing this as a problem. All right? And how many of us understand that God doesn't have any problems? All right, God doesn't wake up, you know, in the morning worrying, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do all this? I got, you know, I don't have enough time to do all this. How's, how's this going to happen? How's that going to happen? I hope she doesn't, you know, doesn't make any mistakes today. God doesn't do that. God doesn't stress or worry about anything. There are no problems like when it comes to God, right? And really, we don't have any problems as Christians either. We just make them. You understand that? We make our own problems. I mean, what problems do we have when you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ? In all honesty, we, make, we, we kind of perceive situations in our life to be a problem, and we kind of make them into problems. So that's what Abraham did. He ended up kind of making this problem this, in his mind, and his problem in his mind was man, I'm old. I'm old. I'm 75. I'm he was 75 years old when God first called him. And then you fast forward 10 years later, he's 85. His wife Sarah is, uh, is uh, 75, 10 years younger than him. And so they're thinking, dude, this ain't going to happen, right? Like they trust in God, but at the same time, they're like, okay, I trust God, but man, I, how in the world is this going to happen? Like we're going to have to take matters into our own hands. I think God like fell asleep up there or something. Like, hello, like I'm 75 years old, God. Like, you know, Sarah, you know, just, just thinking this in her mind, like this ain't going to happen. She's barren, she hasn't had any kids and she's 75 and Abraham is 85. So they want to take matters. They think they have to take matters into their own hands. In other words, they're not trusting God to provide, and so they're going to do things their way rather than God's way, right? And so um, Sarah, at this point in time, again, 75 years old, barren, hasn't had any kids, she comes up with this elaborate plan. And here's her plan. She has got this slave girl named uh, Hagar, which she got from Egypt. And if you haven't read that story, go back and read that story, because there's some other crazy decisions that Sarah and Abraham especially made in that story, not so wise crazy decisions but go back and read that story so hagar hagar came from egypt and so it's sarah's slave right and so sarah's she tells her husband abraham she says so why don't you just marry my um you know slave girl uh, hagar why don't you marry her because she's young and fertile just marry her right and have sex with her and have a baby with her that seems like a great idea right i I mean like that that just you can follow the dot along this is going to turn out great and Abraham, though, being the godly man that he is, what does he do? He tells her, no, absolutely not. We're not going to do that. God's got this. He's in control. He doesn't do that. That's not at all what he does. He does the complete opposite. He says, okay, okay, I'll marry her, and uh, I'll have a baby with her. And so that's exactly what he does. He marries this other woman, um, Hagar, and he has a baby with her. And they name that baby the son Ishmael and what we have to understand about Ishmael is Ishmael the only reason that Ishmael was born was because Abraham and Sarah um, they, they um, lost faith in God that he would provide supernaturally for them. They thought that they had to take matters into their own hands and do things their way rather than God's way and that's the only reason that Ishmael, Timothy Keller says this about this situation. He says, by sleeping with Hagar, Abraham was choosing to rely on his own capabilities. Check out this language. He was opting to work and gain his son. He was acting in faith, but listen to this. But the faith he had was in himself as his own savior. See, in this situation, Abraham and Sarah, they had a small view of God. And the result of having a small view of God is you will start viewing what you perceive to be your problems in life as bigger than your God. You'll start to see your problems in life as bigger than your God when you have a small view of God, which, guys, couldn't be further from the truth. He's the Alpha, the Omega, beginning and end. He is the author, creator, designer of the universe, sustainer of it, everything in it. God does not bend to the will of the impossible. The impossible bends to the will of God and does exactly what he says when he says it. In this situation, God was teaching Abraham and Sarah and everybody else that would follow after them, which includes us as the readers, a lesson. And that lesson is this. Your problems and the issues, the situations that you face in life are not bigger than your God. Your God is bigger than any problem, any situation, anything that you will ever face in life. He is bigger and more powerful than anything you will ever face in life. But here's the, here's the thing. As soon as we start viewing our problems as bigger than our God, that is when we will start to try to take matters into our own hands, going down our own path. And guys, that only leads to destruction. It only leads to division and to pain and the heartache. Abraham and Sarah's lack of faith in God and in his promises and his power to provide supernaturally ended up leading to, to so much division. It, Sarah ended up getting extremely jealous of hagar like go figure right i mean yeah you came up with this brilliant idea to take this other woman and have your husband marry her have sex with her and have a baby why did you not see that coming it's like i mean it's common sense if you just follow the dot down it's like this is not a good idea this is not going to turn out well but that's exactly what happens isn't it when we make these these dumb decisions in our life when we start to go down our path doing things our way rather than god's way We make these dumb decisions because we're not thinking about the repercussions in the moment. We're blinded by the problem. And we are desperate to find a solution, just like Abraham and Sarah were desperate to find a solution. And the result was chaos and just heartache and destruction and bondage as well. And in the end, it was all for nothing. Everything that they did, it was all for nothing because God ended up providing exactly like he said he would i mean go figure that god provided like he said like he always does like time and time again he proved himself to us but then also abraham and sarah he ended up providing a son named isaac and but here's the thing here's what we got to understand god did it in his way and in his time he didn't do it in abraham and sarah's way or abraham and sarah's Uh, timing. Just like God um, doesn't do things our way and in our timing. He's God, not us. God did it in a way so that nobody else could take the credit for it. So that everybody would know exactly who it was that provided in this situation. It wasn't a man. It wasn't a woman. It was God. Check this out. God did the impossible on purpose. God did the impossible on purpose. Abraham had Isaac um, with Sarah 14 years after he had Ishmael which made Abraham 100 years old. And Sarah was, catch this, she was 90 years old when she had Isaac. God did the impossible on purpose, guys. And that original decision to do things their way rather than God's way, it just continued. To mount up the, the, the um, pain, the turmoil, the division just continued to just snowball and mount up. Because, I mean, think about it. you got these two sons. you got these two ladies. You've got um, uh, Hagar. You've got Sarah. But Then you've got these two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. There's all this division and this turmoil and this jealousy that just continued to mount up to the point it got so bad that Sarah finally ended up just uh, casting them out. Just demanding that they leave, that Ishmael and Hagar leave. That's how bad this got. The division just got worse and worse and worse. And Ishmael and Hagar ended up having to leave. But through God's incredible, his grace and his love, he still provided and blessed Hagar and Ishmael, which it also shows us a beautiful picture about how um, God's love and his grace um, for the rejected, the despised, and the outcasts. But here's the thing, God's plan was never for Ishmael. His plan is always for Isaac. God never um, changed his plan. The only thing that ever changed in this situation before any of those two boys were ever ever born, the only thing that ever changed was Sarah and Abraham's lack of faith in God and their decision to try to take matters into their own hands, doing things their way rather than God's way. That was the only thing that ever changed. And through this story, we, we see a couple of pictures kind of unravel through this story. The first thing that we we see the first picture that we see through Hagar and uh, and Ishmael. And they remind us of the mistake that Abraham and Sarah made when they chose to do things their way rather than God's way. And that kind of reminds us of a works-based salvation, trying to do things your way, trying to earn God's favor, trying to earn God's love, trying to earn salvation rather than trusting in God's perfect plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. And guys, when we try to do things our way, when we try to earn our salvation acceptance from God, we go down our path rather than God's, it only leads to destruction. It doesn't lead to salvation. It only leads to destruction. And the second picture that we see in this story is that the gospel is for everyone. It's for anyone and everyone that responds in faith, but it's especially for those of us that are that are broken and that are empty and those of us that are barren. See, God didn't choose to fulfill his promise through the, the young um, the beautiful, the, uh, the fruitful woman. He chose intentionally to use the old, the barren, and the broken woman. In the same way, Jesus Christ did not come for perfect people, perfect and spotless people. Jesus Christ came for the broken, the hurting, and the messy people. Perfect people don't need a perfect gospel. They don't need a perfect Savior. Only those of us that know that we need saving and call on the name of Jesus We'll find salvation and freedom through Christ. And then as we keep on going to this text, verses 28 through 31, Paul says, Now you too, brothers and sisters like Isaac, are children of promise. He's talking to Christians. People who have been redeemed by Christ. Are children of promise. But just as then the child born as a result of the flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the Spirit, so also now. But what does the scripture say? Drive out the slave and her son, for the son of the slave will never be a co-heir with the son of the free woman. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of a slave, but of the free woman. So when Paul, in this text, when Paul says that like Isaac, we are children of promise, what he's saying is that that, um, we also share in God's divine sovereign plan of redemption and freedom and salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. We also we share in that divine sovereign plan of God's, and this is key for us to understand as Christians, people, children of God who have been um, redeemed by Christ. Because when we believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ on our place on the cross, um, then that what that means is we've been grafted into God's plan. We've been grafted into God's plan of redemption, not man's. It's His plan, not ours, guys. Make no mistake about it, salvation through Christ has nothing to do with what any person has done or ever could do. This is about what God has done in our place, not about what we have done. And then in the text, Paul, Paul goes back to that division that we talked about. Because of the decision that Abraham and Sarah made, there was this division, this turmoil, this suffering and pain that was caused. And he kind of he goes back to that, and, uh, and he says that this still continues to this day. Because Ishmael became the father of... Of the Arabs. Ishmael became the father of the Arabs. And then um, Isaac became the father of Jacob, who was later named Israel, right? So you've got Arabs, you've got Israel. So, for an extreme example of this, think about the division, even to this day, um, between the um, radical um, uh, Islamic group ISIS and Christians. Think about that division that we see even to this day. And, guys, that was caused all the way back you follow it all the way back to Abraham and Sarah's choice to do things their way rather than God's way and it not only affected their life and their uh, relationships and their um, um their future and their lifetime but the ripple effects were felt for generations to come even thousands of years later we are still feeling the results the ripple effects of their choice today in the same way guys the choices, the decisions that we make in this life, they're not only going to affect us and our future and the people around us in our lifetime. So often, people will feel the ripple effects of our choices and the decisions that we make in our life for generations to come. What we learn from Abraham's original response to have a son with Hagar, which was a lack of faith on his part, is that when you start viewing your problems as bigger than your God, you're going to automatically start looking for ways to solve your problem on your own, what you perceive to be your problem, on your own, catch this, apart from God, separate from God. As soon as you start viewing your problems as bigger than your God, you will start to solve your problems apart from God. It's this mindset that basically says, well, if God can't do this, Or if God's not going to do this, then I've got to do this. Or I've got to find somebody else or something else that can do this. That's kind of that mindset that we take on. But the more that we trust in our way rather than God's way, the more that that chaos and that pain and the turmoil starts just mounting up more and more in our life. And through that process, it starts suffocating the peace and the joy and the comfort right out of our life. We make these decisions. We say, you know what? Hey, God, I, I trust you. I trust. I trust that you're good. I trust that you know you're going to take care of me. And and you know, we sing these songs and we talk about this. But then we say, you know what? I, I really, I really needed something to help me cope right now. So I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna go over here. I'm gonna start looking at this pornography or you know, taking a drink of this, this this alcohol or go to this person, this relationship, and I'm gonna, you know, this this is gonna help me cope with life. So I'm just gonna put this shackle, this chain on my back. Or you know, man, I you know, I trust God's gonna provide and, you know, help me and and, and provide financially. And I'm doing okay right now, but I just worry about this a lot. So I'm going to work even more, like 100 hours a week or something. I'm going to just put this bowl or this anvil on my back and walk around with this. And I'm going to put this chain and this chain and all these different things that we were never meant to carry in our life. And it puts us right back in bondage and slavery, carrying these burdens that we were never meant to carry that we cannot carry. And through that process, it suffocates our peace and our joy and our comfort right out of our life. We are people that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been set free, but we walk around as though we are miserable and right back in bondage and slavery. All because we don't trust in God. We're choosing to do things our way rather than his. And and ultimately, guys, when we choose to do things our way rather than God's way, what we're telling God with our actions, what we're telling God, is that we have more faith in ourselves and in the world than we do in him. That's what we're telling him. We're telling them that we have more faith in ourselves and in the world than we do in him. We have to fight on a consistent basis to surrender our ways over to God's way, to surrender our ways over to God's will for our life. And, and there's a couple of ways that we can do this, a couple of things that are so crucial, um, a couple of responses in order for us to, on a consistent basis, surrender over our ways, our will, over God's way and God's will for our life. The first one is by stop, stopping to put your faith, stop putting your faith in yourself and in the world. Stop putting your faith in yourself and in the world. Guys, your, your acceptance and your value, worth, the fulfillment, peace in your life, all these things that we need in life, they will never be fully met through your power, or through anything else that the world offers. They, they can never be met through your power or through anything else that the world offers. Think about this. Think about, think about some of the wealthiest people in the world that have all this money. They can get anything that they want, anything that money can buy, right? You know what I mean? They can get houses. They can get clothes. They can get cars. They can get anything that they want right? Or think about people that have set out to accomplish all these different goals, and they've hit every single goal that they've accomplished. I'm thinking about like Michael Phelps right now. I'm mean, That dude accomplished so much in his life. All these different goals, right? He ends up like, you know, the title, I think it was the Olympian, right? Or somebody that you can picture in your mind. It's like, man, that, that person just has everything together. It seems like on the outside, they got this, this perfect life, this perfect, you know, uh, spouse and kids and house and job and everything is just perfect. But the, here's the thing. At the end of the day, those people are ended up left feeling empty inside. They end up, they go to bed at night empty inside because the person that has a bunch of money, what happens is the more money that they get, the more that they realize this will never fully satisfy me and the more empty they get. The person that sets out to accomplish all these goals, goal after goal after goal, all these different things that they do in life and the more that they achieve, they realize more and more, wow, this still is leaving me empty inside. It's not until we realize, guys, that we are completely powerless to satisfy and to save ourselves apart from God that we will finally be set free. We have to realize that we are powerless to satisfy and save ourselves and to surrender our ways over to God's way in order to finally be set free. Only God has the power to save you, and only God has the power to fill that void in your life. The first one is stop putting your faith in yourself and in the world. The second one, and this is the last one, we're going to end with this. Surrender your past, present, and future over to God. Surrender your past, your present, and your future over to God. Don't hold back from him. Don't hold back from him. The more that we hold back from God, the longer that we hold back from him, That's the longer that we will stay in the bondage and the slavery of trying to control our life and our situations, and we will continue to fail time after time after time after time. The longer we hold back, the longer we're just going to stay in slavery and in bondage. We can only find the rest and the peace that we long for in our life through submission to Jesus and through the understanding that God is bigger and he is more powerful than any problem any situation, anything that you will ever face in life. No matter what path you're tempted to take in this life, know that God's way is always best. He'll never steer you wrong. And he is always right there with you. Every step of the way. Every step of the way. Worship team, you guys can can come on off. If you're noticing in your life certain things that you haven't been given over to God. Maybe you're a Christian, you've been redeemed, prayed the prayer, you call yourself a Christian, but maybe your lifestyle isn't so much acting, you know, resembling the name of Christ that you bear. If that's you, then I want to encourage you, man, don't wait to give those things. He loves you so much, and we say this all the time. He'll meet you right where you're at. And if you're here today, if you've never responded to the gospel, maybe you've heard this before several times, if God's working on your heart, then I want to encourage you, please don't wait to respond to the today. Then Acts, it outlines the response, two responses. One, repentance, which is simply turning away from anything that we've made God in our life and turning to God, surrendering our life over to Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross on our plate. And the other one is baptism. So if that's you today, then I want to encourage you, please, I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. Don't wait. We're gonna, let's go ahead and stand together. We're going we're gonna to worship together with one last song. But as we're worshiping, I want to encourage you guys to do some self-reflection. And to really ask yourself, man, is my life reflecting God's way? Or am I simply bearing the name of Christ with my words? And am I living my life my way through my daily actions? Ask yourself that. Be honest with yourself. More importantly, be honest with God. Guys, first off, I just want to say thank you for joining us today for the sermon. And uh, whether you're somebody that's come to our church or you're somebody that lives locally, you go to another church. Maybe you don't even live here. Um, I just want I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for joining us. And uh, I want to encourage you to to respond in some way today, because you know when we hear a sermon, when we read the Bible, when we um, it, whatever it may may be, he, the point of that is um, for God to speak to us in some way, shape, or form. And so if you are a Christian, um, you've been a seasoned Christian, you know the Lord already, then the way that we can respond is just by you know asking Him, God, what do you want me to do with the convictions that you're giving me uh, based on this sermon, the way that you're speaking to me, what do you want me to do? And then respond to that. Maybe it's an area of your life that you've been holding on to. Um, and, and you haven't been giving it to Him. But I want to encourage you to give that to Him and step out in faith. Or maybe if it's um, you know, some unbelief that you've had, and, and God has really convicted you of some things. Um, You know, whatever it may be for you, it's different for everyone. I want to encourage you to respond to God and and step in His direction. And and the other thing too is if if you are somebody that maybe you've listened to this and you've never responded to that gospel message, you've never been, been impacted by that gospel message, but now something is happening, God is kind of stirring in your heart and in your mind a little bit, then I want to encourage you to step out in faith, respond to that gospel message. And throughout the book of Acts, um Acts tells us our history as a church. Uh, it shows us that you know what that response looks like. So number one is to repent. And this word repent, all that means is just to turn from, you know, our sinful ways, our sinful desires, you know, turn from making ourselves God and all these other things in life God, and turn to God and just give him our life. Um, and, and then on top of that response, after the repentance, there comes something else it's called baptism and, and baptism is so key it's so important it's seen all throughout um, that book and acts and and the importance and significance of it um, it's the symbol of death to the old self and, and then um, birth to uh, this new life in Christ and we're we're, we're uh, we die with Christ to the old self and we are raised with Christ to, to walk in this new life And it's a command from Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you have made that commitment to Christ, if you have stepped out um, and you are wanting to follow Christ, then I want to encourage you to take that next step and be baptized somewhere. Whether it's if you have a local church that you want to go be baptized at, I encourage you to do that. Um, If you don't have a church, we would love to be able to celebrate that with you um, here. But I encourage you first and foremost to do that, to to talk with someone, um, to get counsel on what this means, to seek discipleship as well. So um, I encourage you to do those things. We would love to talk with you. We are praying for you. I want you to know that you are loved and you are prayed for. So if you're ready to take that next step in your relationship with Christ, um, and if you want to take that next step with us, then we are, we, we would welcome you with open arms. And so there's some links that we're gonna provide below for you. Uh, please check that out. Um, and again, if you if you have any prayer requests, um, please contact us. We'd love to pray with you, we'd love to talk with you, and we're excited about taking this next step with you.